Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And while you're turning there, last week, if you remember rightly, I mentioned this little book, I Am a Church Member by Tom S. Rayner, okay? And we wanted to put uh, this into each one of your hands, actually into each family's hands. We've got the books out there in the foyer. They're on a table. And so after the service, please pick up one. Now, one per family, all right? That way, everyone will get one. It's a short read. It's not very long, 75 pages. And if you read a few pages a day, you'll be done in a week. Uh, but it is really good. I, uh, I am encouraged by it because some of the things that are said in it, I'm saying today. And uh, it's talking about discovering the attitude that makes the difference. And that's what I want to address even today as we uh, continue this series of commitment to the church. John chapter 4, I trust that you are there. If you remember from last week when sharing with you the poor reasons for leaving a church, I asked you what seemed to characterize most of them. Do you remember? Well, if you don't, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Primarily, they are about man and his preferences and not about God. So often in choosing or leaving a church, it comes down to what we want or what we're not getting. It's a consumeristic attitude is what it is. It's a worldly attitude that's entered into the church and we don't even think about it. We bring that consumeristic attitude from the world right into the church. Well, recently, one of the elders sent out an article by Tim Chalice to the rest of the leadership team. And I want to commend it to you. It's entitled, What I Want from a Church. What I Want from a Church by Tim Chalice. It's about three to four pages long. He said this at the end of the article, which I think summarizes the previous three pages. He says this, What we want from church is utterly irrelevant completely meaningless, entirely inconsequential. All that matters is what God wants. After all, He's the one who created us and the one who created church. And I'm going to insert this. He's the head of the church, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Surely then, we can trust His purpose and His design. Amen to that. And the purpose and the design... Of God for man and his church is to what? It's to worship him. That's what it comes down to. In a nutshell, to worship him. First Corinthians 1031. You, you know this verse. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's every one of us as believers are to worship God in our day to day lives in everything that we do. I like these words from Peter to a number of churches. In the first century there, First Peter 2, 9 and 10, he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? Here it comes. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes, we are to worship God. 
proclaim His excellencies because of what He has done in and through our lives. And in our text today, Jesus spoke to this whole matter of worship. That is, with the Samaritan woman. And I want you to follow with me as I read verses 20 to 24. And we're coming in the middle of a context here, a middle of the story, where we find the Samaritan woman speaking to Jesus. John 4, beginning with verse 20. She says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. May God add His blessing to the reading of that portion of Scripture. You'll notice in this narrative, as Jesus evangelized the Samaritan woman, worship was mentioned a number of times. Ten times, to be exact, both in the noun and verb form. And the same Greek word is used each time, proskaneo, which literally means to kiss toward. And it has the idea of offering homage, reverence, respect, honor to the one true God. What Jesus was communicating here to her is that God the Father was and He is seeking out people who would do just that. Honor Him. Worship Him. He was seeking them out. And it would not be about the external. Going through rituals and ceremonies at a certain place, such as Jerusalem. No, but it would be internal. Look at what he says there again in verse 21 and 23 and 24. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Okay? Speaking to the temple there in Jerusalem. But he says this in 23 and 24, But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. You see, since Jesus had come, the old covenant was passing, and the new covenant was dawning, where true worship of God, who is spirit, God is a spirit, He's invisible, that's His nature, would stem from the spirit of man, the invisible part of man, his inner recesses. Listen to these words in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. Here Jeremiah is talking about the new covenant. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. With the coming of Jesus came the dawning of this new covenant, a worship from the inner recesses of man. And this is what Jesus is addressing with the Samaritan woman. And so, beloved, are you about worship? I want to start with that question this morning. Are you about worship? Well, you're going to find out today as we examine this text of Scripture because it tells us very clearly. But let me say this up front. If you are, if you are about worshiping God, you won't be concerned about what you want in a church. You won't. You'll be concerned with what God wants and seeking to please and serve Him. In fact, you'll be so preoccupied by this that your personal desires really won't matter. I can't help but think of Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, as our hearts are delighting in God, His desires become our desires. You worship God, it's about Him. It's not about you and your preferences. This leads me to the application that I want you to embrace today. And it's this. If the church of which you are a part is about worshiping God through Christ, that's a good reason for staying, not leaving. Actually, it's the primary reason. (laughs) That's why we're starting with this this morning. I want to deal with the heart. I want to keep us from a consumeristic attitude, which is about us, and point you to God and worshiping Him. So what does this worship entail? Again, another good question. And the text here tells us, and it's not complicated, okay? But it is foundational, and it's necessary to all that we do in our personal lives and as a church. As it states there in verse 24, those who worship must worship dot, dot, dot. (laughs) He tells us this is the way it has to be. We're going to look at that today. And so I want you to consider with me two principles, two principles necessary for true worship so that you and we as a church might be confident of pleasing God in how we operate here. And the first principle is there in verses 23 and 24. Look what it says. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. We'll stop right with that. Verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit. Again, we'll stop right there. There is something that is significant I want you to capture in what we just read. And that is this. True worship must come from a regenerated heart. Okay? True worship must come from a regenerated heart. In spirit, as mentioned before, is referring... To the inner recesses of man. The invisible part of man. 
So for worship to be genuine and sincere, it must come from our spirit, our soul, our heart. But how does that happen? How do I worship from my inner recesses, from my soul, from my heart? How do I do that? Again, another good question. Well, the answer is to what I already pointed out. It's through a regenerated heart. That's how. Being saved by God. Being made alive. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And He made us alive. God did. He regenerated us through the Spirit of God. This is what Jesus talked about earlier, did He not? In John chapter 3, with whom? Nicodemus. About being born again. Being made alive. Being regenerated. Go back with me one chapter. To John chapter 3. Here Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. He asks him a question. And Jesus says to him here in verse 3 and following. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, made alive, regenerated, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He was talking on a spiritual level, while Nicodemus was thinking on a physical level. About being born again, made alive, regenerated. You must be born again in order to worship God from your inner being. That has to take place. In fact, Jesus reached out to the Samaritan woman with the same message, just in a different way. Look with me at chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. I want you to capture this. Here in the context, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cows. You see, she's thinking on the physical realm. And Jesus is speaking to her in the spiritual realm. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Yeah. So today, when the lost hear the gospel and embrace by grace through faith the finished work of Christ on our behalf, they become new creatures, different from the inside. They have a heart that's able to worship. A well of water springing up into eternal life. 
Absolutely. It's a miracle. Before, it wasn't that way. But when you've been made alive by God, transformed, regenerated, (laughs) there's a well of water springing up to eternal life. And now you are able to worship God the way He desires. Without this, true worship is impossible. I pray that you sit here this morning with a regenerated heart. Yeah. You know, today with the indwelling and permanent indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, this this is a reality. (laughs) Yes. But maybe you're not regenerated by God. That's possible. In a room this size with all of you here. Maybe God is seeking you to be a true worshiper as He did the Samaritan woman through Jesus. Yeah, I trust that's the case. I can remember back a number of years ago, I've shared my testimony on a number of occasions. 16 years old, going to church. Okay, I didn't care about going to church. I was there because my parents were there. If they weren't, I would not have been there. Okay, I was like a bump on a log in the pew that I sat. I didn't care about singing. I just stood there. <laughs> I didn't care about the music. I didn't care about the songs that we were singing. But then, by grace, God used a friend of mine to help me see my sin, drew me to himself, and saved me. Changed me from the inside out. He regenerated me. There was a well of water springing up into eternal life. And I can remember probably the first one or two Sundays after that, coming to church. And we were singing that song, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. Lord of all. I wasn't just mouthing that. That was coming from my soul. I was worshiping in that moment from my spirit because of a regenerated heart, a heart that had been changed by God. It was different. It reminds me of what David said in Psalm 40, 1 to 3. And by the way, in that text, Jesus, uh, uh, Peter is, uh, David is a believer here, okay? And He's a man after God's own heart. He's going through some real struggles in his life. The Bible doesn't tell us. But you can apply it to those who are lost. Where it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. We're in the pit of destruction. Dead. And then we're made alive. Put on a rock. The rock of Jesus Christ. And our lives are changed. A new song has been put upon our heart. A well of water springing up into eternal life. I trust this is your testimony this morning. Maybe this happened through the ministry of this church. Yeah, you came to know Jesus Christ here. 
as the gospel was preached. And so whether it be here or another community of which you are a part, if they are preaching the gospel that results in a regenerated heart, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Yeah, it's a good question. Now, I realize there may be visitors here today. (laughs) Most of you are from here, but there could be some who are visiting, who are thinking about maybe leaving their church. Just keep this in mind. If the church of which you are a part right now is preaching a gospel that results in regenerated hearts, why are you leaving? Now, I get it. There may be some other good (laughs) biblical reasons for doing such as I communicated last week. And by the way, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen to that message, which provides the foundation sort of for what I am speaking about today. But you know, if it's over your personal reasons, I would ask you to put them in check under the umbrella of worshiping God. Yeah. Don't make it a part of your preferences. Make it a part of God in His Word. True worship must come from a regenerated heart. That's how we are able to worship in spirit. Truly worship. That brings me to the other principle in the matter, and you probably already know what it is. But let's go back to 23 and 24 again. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So what do you notice here? Pretty simple, isn't it? True worship must be governed by the truth, or the revealed word. True worship must be governed by the truth, the revealed word. That is to what truth here is referring. The written word, which focuses on whom? The incarnate word, Christ, who revealed God the Father. Yes, he's the one that's speaking here. (laughs) In fact, go back with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You might ask yourself, who is the Word here? It's not specified, but it is down in verses 14 and following. So let's go there. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father He has explained him. Now go with me to John 5 in verse 39. John 5 in verse 39. Jesus is speaking to some 
people there, some religious leaders, and this is what he says. Verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that what? Testify about me. And then in John 17, in verse 17, you remember what Jesus prayed there? Huh? To the Father. Father, sanctify them through thy truth. What? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And so what Jesus was pointing out to the Samaritan woman here was that real worship has to be guided by the scriptures because God is spirit. That's his nature. He's invisible. And mankind needs the revealed truth about him in order to know how to worship him rightly. (laughs) Otherwise, mankind could be led away by their figment of imagination, which is what? Idolatry. In fact, know what it says there in John chapter 4, verse 19. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, he had just got done telling her that she had had five husbands. Well, how did this man know that? He's got to be someone special. What she said was true, but not completely. Okay? In verse 25, after Jesus talked to her about worship, he says this. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. Now, how did she know that Messiah was coming? Who would be called Christ? The scriptures. That's how. That's how she knew. Yeah. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And everything changed after that. (laughs) She went away embracing this one who told her all things about herself and began evangelizing the men of the city. (laughs) Again, it goes back to John 5.39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. You see, beloved, God's desire for the world is to have a heart that's set apart unto Him, understanding Him properly, fearing Him, loving Him, pleasing Him, serving Him. That's His desire for us from our hearts. And the key to all this would be the impact of God's Word, His truth, upon the heart. You catch a glimpse of this in Paul's words, actually, to the church of Colossae. Holding your space right here, go with me to Colossians chapter 3. I love this portion of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3. I come back to it often, not just for my own heart, but as I disciple others. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's a command. And here's the result of that. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, the way to worship God through songs from the heart is to know God through His word rightly. And in fact, if you compare that 
With Ephesians 5, where it says, be not drunk with wine, where it's an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, when you're filled with the Spirit, the same results happen. The Spirit of God and the Word of God work together <laughs> to bring about worship from the heart. Not just a singing voice. That's a part of it. But an obeying heart to the truth that He has revealed to us. The heart, beloved, is like a cup. As you fill it with truth, you come to know God and His will better. And it spills over to passion, praise, obedience to Him. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How is he able to say that? Because... He had a regenerated heart. <laughs> and he had a heart that was governed by the Word of God, the truth. It filled his soul and it directed him rightly. And so from his heart, he could say, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can you say that from your heart? Yeah. That, now we're getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of worship. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. Again, just to come back to my own personal testimony. I can remember the night that I embraced Christ. And I went home. And I can remember sitting on my bed, just kind of thinking through everything. I, I didn't feel necessarily any different. But I know that I had committed my heart to Christ. And so as I was thinking on all of this, I looked at my Bible, which was sitting on my nightstand. And by the way... It was there, but I never read it, okay? <laughs> it was just loaded with dust. Now, I didn't hear a voice from heaven, but my conscience and the Spirit of God was working overtime. And I remember looking at my Bible, looking away, looking at it, looking away. And finally, it, was, it just came to me, Kirk, why don't you start reading the Bible? And I thought, wow, where, where am I going to start? And so I just took the Bible, kind of brushed the dust off, and I just started thumbing through it. And I came to John. Now, that's a great place to start reading the Word of God. If you're going to start anywhere, it's in John. But I landed right there. And I think part of it was due to the fact that in my early years, being in church, sitting in Sunday school, yeah, it was the book of John that came to me over and over again. John 3.16, okay? For God so loved the world. And I began there. And ever since, I've been nurtured by the Word of God. I have the same passion today for God's Word as I did over 40 years ago. It's only matured, that's all. And I'm going to continue growing in that way until I meet Christ. Again, I pray that that's your heart. If you're saved, you should be able to testify to that. John, the apostle, said this in 3 John 3 and 4 to a number of believers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear my children Walking in truth. Yeah, I have no greater joy. 
as a pastor, to know of God's people, this flock walking in truth. Because when I see that from a genuine heart, yeah, it tells me that you know Christ. This is what you're about. So I pray you know the truth this morning. And so this brings me back to the thrust of this message. That the church of which you are a part faithfully ministers the truth, the word which leads people to worship rightly. Why are you looking to leave? (laughs) Yeah. Why are you looking to leave? If it's about following the truth, then usually everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, you'll dress other things that may be happening in the church. Maybe even where the church is weak. But if it's delivering the word, it's because there may be some weakness in the church body. You see, if it's delivering the word, those things take care of themselves. Yes, and even personal issues get addressed. And so may God help you to evaluate this properly. Beloved, I started this whole series with the worship of God as a reason for staying at your church because this is the priority, isn't it? The priority of the church is to worship God. I mean, you can go right out here in the fellowship hall and on the wall we have our philosophy of ministry. What's at the roof of it all? Huh? Worship. What's at the foundation of it all? Oh, the gospel. What's the first pillar? Oh, the word, the truth. <laughs> I've covered three. <laughs> This morning. That's what we're about. This is because this is what God is about. This is what we know from His Word. And we want to be about what God wants. Not about what we want. And so, the only way that we can worship in spirit and in truth is with a regenerated heart and God's Word is our guide. Which should keep the focus off of self and from a consumeristic attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I will tell you that if our hearts and our minds are focused on God, if our eyes are on Him, all the other little things that happen in a church, they're not going to matter. You'll work through that. Because you're there because it's about God. But if your eyes are not on Him, yeah, you'll be distracted by all sorts of things, things that you want, things that people are doing. And if you dwell on it long enough, you'll be out the doors. But if you have a worshipful heart, the very heart that Jesus is calling for from the Samaritan woman and from us today, it'll be much different. There was a visiting minister who was substituting for the famed pastor, Henry Ward Beecher. A large audience had assembled to hear the popular pastor. At the appointed hour, the visiting minister entered the pulpit. Learning that Beecher was not to preach, several began to move toward the doors. The visiting minister stood and called out very discreetly, All who have come here today to worship Henry Ward Beecher may now withdraw from the church. All who have come here to worship God, keep your seats. No one left. Yeah, you see, in that moment, 
Who were they worshiping? It was the pastor. They were looking at him. And because he was not in the pulpit that morning, but somebody else, they were going to leave. And he's reminding them, it doesn't matter who's here. If I'm preaching the word, it's about God. They stayed. (laughs) It's something for us to think about. Next week, I'm going to expand further on this matter of worshiping in truth. All right? I don't want to leave that quite yet. And so, be in prayer uh, for the message, but also for your own hearts in receiving the truth. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture. So simple. Oh, Lord, these were the words that you spoke to the Samaritan woman. Very simply that day, you got her mind and her heart in the right place. And you helped her to see that she had to have a heart that was changed and to know you. And she was saved. Could it be that there's someone here this morning that does not know Jesus? But God, you are seeking them out to be a true worshiper. Oh, work in that heart as only you can. May that soul repent and be saved today. If there are souls here who are saved but have gotten away from the truth of your word, oh God, bring them back. Help them to repent and to love your word and to know what it says and to follow it for your glory. God, do what only you can do and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.